From Esperanza United, I'm Jose Juan Lara Jr. And this is Conversations Over Cafecito. At Esperanza United, we understand that visibility and representation matters. Join us as we interview advocates, community members, nonprofit leaders, trailblazers, and policy influencers about their contributions to engender-based violence, what they wish they had known, and how their life experiences have influenced who they are today. In honor of Domestic Violence Awareness Month, we are highlighting the voices of Latino men in the movement to end gender-based violence, sharing how they came to the movement, what it means to be a Latino male-identifying person to end gender-based violence, and their approach to engage other Latino male-identifying folks from a culturally responsive practice. So with me today, I'm joined by two of my colleagues at Esperanza United, Felix Martinez-Paz, Engaging Men and Boys Program Specialist, and Pedro Reina, Training and Technical Assistance Coordinator. And I'm so excited to have this conversation with them both. So welcome, Felix and Pedro. Hola a todos. Thank you, Felix Martinez, pronouns he, him, and his. Super happy and excited to be here. Hi, everybody. Uh, Pedro Reina, super stoked. Um, happy to have this conversation with both of you. Awesome. So as y'all know, um, the name of our podcast is Conversations Over Cafecito. And um, Pedro, this is your first time being part of our podcast and Felix, you've been interviewed before. So we always start off by asking our invited guests, how do you like to take your cafecito or do you like tecito, tea? You know, um, I'll start with you, Pedro. Hi, thank you. Um, it's glad to be on for the first time. It's like a long time listener, first time <laughs> calling. Um, I'm a big coffee drinker and I love my cold brew. I drink my cold brew um three times a week at least um i like to brew my own um typically starting like on sunday um, and that keeps me going for the week felix how do you do you like cafecito do you have a special brand does it matter uh absolutely you know i i personally don't have a specific brand in mind but i like my coffee with milk and a lot of sugar um of course i always drank it with um or had coffee I never drank it but I had galletas marias which is a typical Mexican cookie um and I would dip my cookie galletas marias in the coffee um and it was just heaven um and when I have a chance to do that now as an adult it just brings so many good memories so before we get started into the conversation we also want to get to know a little bit more about our invited guest so Felix I'll start with you just share who you are where you're where you're from, you know, yeah. Absolutely, thank you, Jose Juan. Uh, again, my name is Felix Martinez. My pronouns are he, him, and his. Um, uh, I work in Esperanza United. Now I'm close to my five years work as an engaging men and boys program specialist. Uh, I'm from Puerto Rico, but I also live around seven years in the Dominican Republic, a place that I love to that too. It's like my second home. I'm now uh, living here in the U.S., close to, in, specifically in Minnesota, again, Minnesota. So uh, I've been living here now close to 22 years. I have two amazing, beautiful daughters. Now they're both in college. So I'm finally an empty nester. I'm a nester and I'm 46. So enjoying this new time in life and super excited to work in, a, in an amazing organization as Esperanza United 
where I, I can, uh, through my work, uh, work with men and boys and have conversations on healthy masculinity, leadership, allyship, and how we can take action and be better role models, better fathers, better sons and, and spouses. So super happy to be in this conversation. Looking forward to hear a little bit more from Pedro and to share, you know, our experiences in this podcast. So thank you. Felix, Pedro, who are you? Where do you come from? Yes, thank you. So like, again, my name is Pedro Alejandro Reina. Uh, my friends call me Pete. Uh, sometimes my co-workers and men also call me Pete. Uh, I am from Brownsville, Texas. It's a border city. And my family comes from uh, the border city of Brownsville. It's Matamoros, Tamaulipas. Um, I was born and raised here. Haven't left. Um, I love living here, mostly because of my family. Uh, I come from a family of uh, educators. My parents were special ed teachers growing up. Um, so I was always in school, whether I wanted to or not. Um, I also grew up with two sisters and I was always in a home with either my grandmother or my aunt. So raised in a very dominant, female dominant home. Um, I was the only boy of two sisters. Um, they're now living in San Antonio and I miss them dearly uh, every day. I'm also from Brownsville, Texas. So <laughs> paisano aquí. Este, um, but um, speaking of where we come from in journeys, you know, um, I would like to ask you both, how did you start your own path or journey into the movement to end gender-based violence? I'll start with you, Felix. Thank you, Jose Juan. Well, my journey started by an invitation to a men retreat facilitated uh, by the Men and Masculine Folks Network in Minnesota. Uh, in this retreat, I have the opportunity to engage with men and masculine folks in conversation of masculinity, family, identity, and also or roles in our, our communities. Uh, I remember during this conversation that, of course, this conversation, I had them probably for the first time feeling scared, feeling vulnerable, feeling judged. Of course, that was in my mind. Uh, but also feeling alone because for the first time I understood that the harm that the patriarchy and some of my unhealthy behavior had in the women's and girls in my life, women's and girls that, that I love dearly. And of course, being the father of two amazing, beautiful girls made me start understanding how my behaviors uh, did not provide them the best conditions for them to be strong or stronger to be treated equal, to feel respected, and to have some opportunities that most men have. Men have so, and this experience made me rethink my life, change career path uh, to a position where, of course, I wasn't making as much as, as in the previous. But I felt that I had to do something. You know, uh, I I I make me rethink my role as a father, but also made me think what I can do to change the conditions that, you know, continue uh, providing to Patrick to exist. So that's how we started. You know, I wasn't expecting, I wasn't ready, but once I faced it and I learned about it, I saw the importance of men and masculine folks to be involved in breaking, you know, those stereotypes, those gender roles that cause so much harm, but I'm not going to lie to you, you know, it didn't happen to me till I was a father. That's when I start 
feeling and learning that, you know, I cannot play with my daughter's sports because that's a man's sport or I can do this or that. So all that stuff was stuck in my mind till I get to that retreat and I realized, wow, there's a lot of men that maybe think like me, maybe men that they, they're not aggressive or they don't hate women or anything like that. But most of the time we're silent. So that makes us part of the problem. So that's how my journey started. And I think we haven't ended. I mean, I, we still learn day by day. I don't, I don't consider myself an expert, but I love interacting with other men that doing the work so I can learn best practices and learn new tools to, to engage with the community that I work. That I like to call my community, even though it's not my community, but uh, I love to call them that way. Thank you, Felix. Pedro, same question. How did you, when did you start this journey into the movement to end gender-based violence? Yeah, I want to say my journey started maybe back in 2015. I was still in college, um, probably my sophomore year, and it really began with a summer job. I was actually at the United Way, and uh, our local United Way was one of the grantees to a uh, to a DV organ, DV and sexual assault organization known by French for Women, which you are <laughs> very knowledgeable as a one. Um, and I found out when I got there, right? Um, but yeah, I started there as a as an intern, really, at Friendship of Women, and that's where I really got like my first taste. I started looking at the numbers, their stats. I wasn't really like in one department, you know. I would be in outreach. Um, then I would go to batteries and prevention program. Uh, then I'd go to maybe engaging men, maybe engaging boys. So that summer, I really got a taste of, you know, kind of like everything that they did. And like I said, started looking at the stats, started, you know, talking to people. And much like Felix, once I kind of understood the gravity, right, of how, you know, gender-based violence affects our community. And, my, and for me, it was really my community because I lived here and I lived with these people, right? Um, I guess I just couldn't really put the information back. I, I knew already. Um, and from then, um, I got offered a, a full-time role. And although I didn't stay there very long, um, it really became just like a mission for me and to always invite other men and always have an open door, um, to always have a conversation, but to also challenge what I seem as, or what we deem as normal. Um, it's not always right. So yeah, for me, it started just as a summer job. Yeah, and I think journeys are very individual and very unique, but there's also collective connections and certainly um, just identifying as part of the Latino, Latina, Latinx communities, it's a collective process, right? And so in that space, I want to ask you both, do you think being um, or identifying as a Latino man or, or male identifying influences how you approach the conversation to end gender-based violence. So I'll start with you, Felix. Absolutely, and thank you, Pedro, for what you shared. Uh, being a Latino is something that I brings a lot of pride and honor to me, and something that I always embrace and encourage other men to do. I always do that in order to create more meaningful connections with, with, with the men and masculine folks that I, that I talk to. Uh, and create a self of belonging um, in order to have a better understanding of our realities that most Latinos or men experience every day and the impact that we can have in our communities. That's something that, pro, that Jose Juan was just mentioned right now. You know, we 
we're Latinos, but we come from different areas, different, you know, cultures, different, there's so many different things. The same way, you know, we all like to drink our cafecito differently. And that sometimes have to do with the place that you're from too. You know, you like it with uh, Galletas Maria. I used to use saltines. So, you know, I think it depends where, where you're from. But I think uh, by going back, by creating culturally specific resources and tools, we can be more effective. So I think being a Latino, that's something that I'd like to encourage, like I mentioned before, to the people that I work with, also with my daughters, you know, to be proud, especially when you're living in a different countries, like in the U.S., like in Minnesota, the area that I live is predominantly white. So it's very important to encourage, to, to, to embrace our culture, to our traditions. That's so important to us. So we don't lose them with time. So any, they can be kept from generation to generation. Yeah, and visibility and representation matters, of course, right? So Pedro, uh, same, you know, how, uh, what do you think being a Latino or identifying as, as a male or um, male masculine center influences how you approach the work in the conversation to end gender-based violence? Yeah, so just being Latino, right, or at least growing up, um, in a bilingual household, right? We could start the I could start the conversation in Spanish, and sometimes um, that just might be the great best way to start it. Sometimes, right? Um, like Felix mentioned, we all you know as Latinos come from different countries, and we have different ways we take our coffee. Um, and understanding that, I think, is first step, right? Um, also, understanding where our cultural norms come from, right? Um, why we do the certain things we do, um, why women are treated differently in our culture. I mean, challenging those is like, I guess one of my first things I guess kind of did when I started in the field and I try to do with all other men and especially starting the conversations and gender-based violence. Um, and I think it's those differences that, you know, create a rift, right? And that's where we see, you know, power coming in, power struggle. Um, so yeah, I think for me, just being a Latino man in this work, it just gives me like another insight, another view. Um, and then going back to the work we do, culture-specific programs, right? Um, how does that affect other communities, other Latino communities across the country? Um, yeah, it really gives us a lot of insight um, to where they're coming from, why they think they do. Um, yeah, and I think just beginning the conversation sometimes could be the hardest part. And, um approaching it the way we do sometimes bilingually uh, it's a good step forward and certainly you know our own as i mentioned before our own unique pathways to masculinity or male identifying people it comes you know comes with a lot of um wonderful experiences as well as a lot of challenges and things like you mentioned pedro maybe want to change um but kind of curtailing into that into that space or that conversation, you know, how do you engage other male identifying people to be involved in ending gender-based violence, specifically Latino male identifying folks, right? I think it's a, I think it's men or people that identify as male of center men. We're not socialized to share our emotions, but yet as Latinos, we're a very expressive community. So there's kind of that interesting dichotomy there. So Felix, I'll start with you. And again, I asked a question, 
how do you engage other male identifying individuals to be involved in ending gender-based violence and against specifically other Latino male identifying folks? Thank you, Jose Juan. I personally engage by making them understand a role as uh, you know, as a male identified folks and the direct impact that this can have in their circles or in their communities. Uh, that pride for culture, all those similarities in food, you know, drinks, everything. And uh, when I do, when I try to do this, I try to do it in a non-traditional way. Uh, I try to specifically in, in my role in this organization and not do it in this traditional, typical classroom. I'll give you for ex an example. Uh, last month, uh, we created a father and son fishing event where fathers have the opportunity to create conversations with their son or to have conversations with their son about masculinity, family, community, uh, talk about gender roles, and at the same, same time, they learn how to fish while they have the opportunity to strengthen the connection with, the, with their sons. So creating spaces like that, we, we, we can embrace our culture, maybe talk about our past, and create that connection that, for example, for me, I probably considered I never had with my with my dad. My dad was more like a provider. His job was just to work, make you know money, pay, uh, bring the money to the house, and my mom was uh, in charge. Just as typical, the, the typical you know stereotypical uh, woman that she take care of the house, uh, the the kids, etc. So, I think while we do. Uh, create events, opportunities like this, open the space for that, you know. Thank you, Felix. And I love that you mentioned in in part of this process is you include something that's fun, recreational, outdoors, you know, because I think it, that kind of lessens the anxiety of us as men being vulnerable emotionally, right? You're actually sharing so much and it and it brings down the walls that as men, we're we're socialized to always keep up. And, and which is, I think it's just a wonderful, wonderful approach to the conversation. Yeah, and uh, something I would like to add to Jose Juan is when we open these spaces, we understand that sometimes male, uh, some youth doesn't have male uh, in, their in their houses. So I think we need to open the space also to women that have kids, you know, grandmothers and grandparents that are raising kids to, to open this opportunity for them because we automatically uh, in a lot of the cases, I, I have been approached by women saying that, you know what, I need you to talk to my son. I don't think I'm capable of teaching him how to be a man or how to become a better man when we all have those, you know, values that make us be a better person. And that's what we need to concentrate. You know, you don't need to be a man to teach other men how to become a better man because, you know, values, you know, the love for each other, the love for stronger communities is bigger than that and we have we have the tools we just need to look for them and look for those strengths and empower empower ourselves to to have these conversations and like you said open the space to to other conversations also like mental health something that we don't discuss a lot you know so yeah there's many 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 ways right it can be still challenging but again creative ways of, of coming to the conversation engaging other latino also, um, I believe I believe with FedEx what he said, right? Bringing up the the topic of mental health with my friends, I always try to check up on them. Like, hey, you know, you know, we haven't talked so long, and I think more and more I've been feeling that men are isolating themselves, 
and and to the larger extent it's affecting everybody it affects everybody because you're not you're not participating right you're not in in real conversations with real people in real life and for my friends or people close to me i always try to get them out of their man caves as you will and and some of them will go in there and i won't hear them for like you know a week or two and it's, it's not healthy right we need the conversation as much as possible and especially as latinos right we're we're expressive are you really taking care of yourself what does that look like you know to you and so it sounds like um talking about engaging men is also role modeling right and i think felix you you, you used the word modeling like for your daughters and and maybe the women in your other women in your life of course it's other men in your life as well and for those of us who do this work around ending gender-based violence we know that it can be very stressful exhausting and sometimes you may lose hope um but there's people out there right mentors that kind of help us keep moving forward and pushing through whatever we're going through so um, as we end our conversation here today, I'd like to ask you both, like who are your mentors in this work and what knowledge, wisdom have they imparted to you? I'll start with you, Pedro. Yeah, I'm gonna have to, I have to mention two mentors. Um, the first one I wanna say is uh, Mr. Emiliano, uh, Mr. Emiliano Diaz de Leon, um, he was, the first man I kind of met in the field um, when I started doing the work, uh, especially the friendship of women, I I didn't notice just how little other men were, or how I guess in my where I was right, um, I had contact with other I had contact with other men in the field. I you know I didn't really notice that until I started until I met Emiliano. I think he be, he he came down from the state. Um, to give us a training. And then from then, um, I started following him on social media, um, seeing the work he does for TASA in the state of Texas. Um, and he's really just been like a role model for me or just kind of like, you know, a lighthouse, like, you know, that's kind of like where, you know, you know, when you, when you think about like a role model, it's kind of like, he's kind of like my, my example. Um, and the second person I want to bring up is uh, Dr. Norma Montalvo. I met her also at Friendship of Women. Um, she's an associate professor at uh, Texas A&M. And, um, oh man, she, I met her through research. She was providing spaces for um, children coming from families of domestic violence. Um, so not only she was doing research for them, but doing research with them, but also providing space, you know, and providing spaces for their mothers um, and their other family members. And when I first met her, she was somebody that I was like, you know what, I want to be like her when I grew up, because she was always on the run. I mean, always in her sketchers, you know, running around. Um, if you needed clothes, she would do a clothes drive for you. If your house burned down, she was, by that Saturday, plates were going to be sold, right? And tickets would be sold by Friday. You know, she's just that type of person. And um, I hope she listens to this. Uh, I mean, we need to talk to her soon. But she's just uh, her fire really is like something that keeps me going. And it's uh, an example, right? Of there's so much work to do and it, it really never stops. But also, um, we need to take the time for ourselves. And she kind of was the first one to really bring it up for me um, in the field. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to say, yeah, Mr. Emiliano Diaz de Leon and uh, 
Dr. Norma Montalvo, in my mentors. Thank you, uh, Pedro. Felix, who are your mentors in this work and what nuggets of knowledge and wisdom have they shared with you? Uh, thank you, Pedro. Of course, we need to give some props to Emiliano. He, you know, I know he worked mostly in Texas, but his impact also in me has been very positive. Uh, but when I'm thinking about mentors, uh, I think I've been very lucky to have men in my life, like, uh, for example, men that I met in, in, in that first retreat with the Men and Masculine Folks Network, a network that I'm part of, part of it right now. Uh, and I need to give props to like Peng Tao, Ed uh, Heisler, I think it is, and uh, Sean Heis or Hayes. Uh, they have provided me with a lot of love and support needed uh, to learn how to become a better man, better father, better human being. And I'm also very lucky uh, to have a beautiful partner in crime and spouse, uh, Yvette Isaiah. She will hold me accountable, uh, push me to do more, and support me uh, in this journey, a journey that it, it will continue. Uh, I keep learning, but those are people that have, you know, impact my life, have encouraged me to continue working in this field, and also uh, to 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 continue working on it. Pretty much, uh, if I could share something uh, or some knowledge or wisdom from them, is that everyone uh, probably have the capacity or the abilities to change the world, change your circles or your communities, uh, that we need to work together to create safer and healthier communities free of violence community where people can, you know, thrive, could be the best version of themselves. And and having people like that, those mentors, that they're not necessarily, you know, men, you know, is it, is very powerful. You know, uh, like I said before, you know, having my spouse have helped me a lot more because I have someone 24-7 that every time I make a, a, do something that's probably considered not healthy or, or not healthy, she can call me out. And my daughters do the same too, you know, with me. And they call me out all the time. You know, me facilitating this doesn't mean that I'm perfect. And oh, look at Felix, you know, he's the perfect role model. I'm a human being. I make mistakes, but you know, I, I'm very aware of them right now. And I, I try to don't don't make them. But sometimes I, I can see myself when I raise my voice, you know, and I can tell that okay, I need to get my voice down. And thanks to these mentors is why you know i keep refreshed with information where we can get together have conversation learn best practices and and be surrounded positive people that encourage you to to keep doing being the best version of yourself because it's super easy to have this conversation right now with pedro and jose juan that i'm, I'm really enjoying and loving it but it's easier for me to go back to my friends and start having you know healthy conversations and 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 it's it's something that it, it takes a lot of determination, a lot of you know uh, uh, power in ourselves to say, you know what, I, I need to maybe cut those friendships that they're not bringing anything positive, and and being around mentors and positive people and good people, it, it can make a difference. And like I said before, not only in you but the people around you. So, like I said before, you know, if you could. Uh, any knowledge is like we all we all have you know 
ways to, to, to change the world and the capacity and the abilities to do that. We just need to work together, you know, work together. And like Jose Juan said before, remember all those individuals that have been in the movement before us that create an uh, easier path to, for us to do this type of work. And also the young, the young people, young men and masculine folks that are listening, hopefully, to this podcast, that hopefully they'll be inspired to say, you know what, I want to continue this work. I want to continue making a difference so in the future we can live in worlds free of violence and, and where, you know, we can foster healthy relationships and, and love between all of us. So, yeah, thank you. So on that note, um, I want to thank Felix and Pedro for joining us here today to have this conversation. Um, so what I take away here today is hope, respect, accountability, um, and presence, right? And, and it's an imperfect presence in this work that we do. All of us, um, however you identify to end gender-based violence at the intersections of identity, especially for those of us who identify as Latino men or male identifying folks. Um, thank you again, Felix and Pedro, for having this conversation. This has been another episode of Conversations Over Cafecito, brought to you by Esperanza United, formerly Casa de Esperanza. With this podcast, we build bridges and connections among research, practice, and policy to advance effective responses to eliminate domestic violence and promote healthy relationships within Latino families and communities. For more information, visit esperanzaunited.org. This program was produced by the staff at Esperanza United and music composed by Joey Horton. I am Jose Juan Lara Jr. Thank you for listening. Hasta la próxima.